One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB and I'm very tired after watching a whole weekend of rugby. What have you watched? 26 different games, Phil? <laughs> At least. It must be that many. Goodness from, me, I've watched a lot. It's all sort of blurred into one though. Yeah, from Thursday night as well. Thursday, Friday, three games yesterday, three games today. Uh, some amazing games as well. The, the games that I was expecting to be amazing... Uh, well, certainly one of them, Ireland v Scotland, wasn't amazing. No, it wasn't, was it? And some of the games... Amazing if you're an Ireland fan. Some of the games that I was not particularly expecting to be amazing were like the game that we have just watched. This is 10pm, just after 10pm on Sunday evening. What a game we have just witnessed. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Uh, we don't have Tim Cocker. We don't know where he is. He's, uh, he's dialing in at some point. So we'll just stand by and Tim Cocker will join us. And that, have you been watching Tim's YouTube videos? I've not seen any. I've been kind of out of action for most of the last two weeks. Well, I've watched all of them uh, because they're excellent, and I yes. encourage everybody else to go and do so also. However, there's one video which is suspiciously missing. Oh. Well, you know Tim is driving around in, a, in this Ford. Yes, right? his camper van. You'd have thought Ford would want to let, you know, in order to lend a top-rate broadcaster, a camper van. At least a video of him in the camper van, right? <laughs> Would you not think? I, yes, probably. And why do you think he's not done that? Do you think it's because it's... Do, do you think he's just decided not to do it because the camper van is too full of, like, empty <laughs> bottles of Cristal and party drugs? <laughs> or just whole wheels of cheese. <laughs> Which do you think you'd be more ashamed of? I don't know. I'd, that's a good question. What would I be... Cheese, I think. Yeah, you would be more. You, think, right, you right now would be much more ashamed of the cheese and baguettes. Oh my god! Ima- imagine people seeing my, uh, you know, sim- simple carbohydrates, <laughs> processed white bread. Ugh, <laughs> ugh. So yeah, I think that's why he's. He should really do a video of his van if it's still in any working order. By, by now. <laughs> kind of a cribs. A, a no, cock, more like a trip my ride. Oh, well, it could be a combination of the two. <laughs> right, so we'll we'll wait for Tim to uh, get back to us whenever that may be. Um, so, I guess that's it, isn't it? We, we know what the semi, what the quarter quarterfinals are go are going to look like. Uh, we, you almost said semi there. We, we certainly two of the games. Well, no, actually, I was going to say we know what the semi finals. We actually know what half of the draw the final is going to come from. Right. Because... because okay. Yes. Well, OK, so this is a good question to kick off on. The South Africa versus France, France game. Yes. The winner of that plays... England, 
versus Fiji. Right. Okay. So, in my mind, there's almost like we also know what the final will consist of. The fi- the final will consist of one of Ireland and New Zealand, and one of France and South Africa. Yeah. So the real semi-finals are those the, two those games. two games. Because after that, whoever shows up is a minor a minor inconvenience. And I I think that was kind of rammed home this this weekend because we spoke going into the World Cup before a single second of the real rugby had taken place mm. that there was kind of the top four top three or four then there was a gap to Scotland yep. and then there was a gap to kind of Argentina England Australia Wales and I think that broadly speaking still stands Would so I agree that still stands but when we saw Ireland just demolish Scotland it kind of proved the gap between the top four and the fifth place is enormous. It's a gulf. Therefore, as it now the fifth place team are no longer in the competition. Therefore, you're going to have um, two of the top four playing oh. sixth and down, Hang which is an imo- enormous are, gulf. We are joined by Tim Cocker. How are you, Tim? Don't say anything incriminating. We've already started. <laughs> oh, okay. No worries. <laughs> Hello, Tim. Look, Hello. Uh, look, we, we can see him on screen, and we just mentioned before, Tim, that you've not made a video on YouTube about your van yet, because um, oh, I have. Oh, have you? Have you? Yeah. Oh, when was yeah. this? Well, there's one called Van Life. Did it last weekend, I think. Hang oh. on. How you were here? You were uh, not last weekend. Well, it must have been before. This or is very after. suspicious. It sort of backs up my theory. <laughs> what's, what's the theory? That you won't do a video of your van because it's full of empty bottles of crystal and party drugs. <laughs> well, we, we were trying to de- no comment. We were, we were trying to debate. We were trying to work out whether you'd be more embarrassed by um, the world seeing your uh, crystal and party drugs or the world seeing the wheels of cheese and baguettes and pate that you've been consuming while you've been over there. It's, sh- it's shameful the way I'm abusing my body, um, whichever way you slice and dice it. But uh, nothing. I actually, I, I actually keep it quite clean and tidy, probably because it's not mine. Yeah. And I have to give it back. Nothing. Being sa- quite respectful. There'd be nothing sadder than the shots of well, the juxtaposition between your CrossFit grips, but the fact that they're covered in camembert. <laughs> <laughs> I have used them a few times, <laughs> not as much as I'd not as much as I'd anticipated, but yeah. Anyway. Um, enough what, about, more, more about the uh, enough about the incredible amount of work I've got to do when I get back to the UK. Yes, <laughs> I'm just getting back to where I was. But anyway, <laughs> uh, well, we were talking about the amount of work that Scotland have got to do to catch up Ireland. Yeah, hold on. How how can we not start by talking about Portugal? Oh well, we we just briefly mentioned that, but I think yeah, you're right. Good. We should go into into a bit more detail because that is one of my favourite games of the tournament so far. I, I absolutely loved that game that we've just <laughs> It was watched. a wild match, just full stop. Even if Portugal hadn't won, that game was insane. It was absolutely brilliant. It was um, <laughs> two teams that want to play rugby. Um, occasionally, they, it doesn't work for either of them, um, but not for lack of ambition and just passion and enjoyment. I, I loved seeing Portugal win and celebrate that, that victory, their first ever World Cup victory. As if they had won the World Cup. Yeah, they got their first ever World Cup try in the Wales game. And wow. I spoke and I spoke to a couple of the guys. The video's in, in, the, in, in the YouTube feed, but I spoke to a couple of the guys that were in the Portugal 2007 World Cup squad mm. who said 
just because they'd given a really good account of themselves against Wales and scored a try, that they described it as a game-changing moment for Portuguese rugby, and they were like, you couldn't, you you could see how proud they were. I cannot imagine what anyone connected with rugby in Portugal is feeling like right now. It's I I've, I've, I can't remember the last time I was as happy for a team that I don't support yeah. or have no connection to. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah, same. Well, let's just let's just talk about Portugal for a second as a team. My takeaway from them is they they make good decisions. Mm. I mean, their scrum half Samuel is it Marquez? Mar- Marquez, yeah, Marquez. Oh, what a nine he was! He was brilliant. He just doesn't make mistakes. Like he just looks like a consummate professional. He reminds me of the kind of guy if you just dug him out of the Premiership and then said, "Yeah, just 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 play like a professional nine. He makes all the right decisions. He's, I mean, what I like about him is. Yeah, the box kicking's on point, but he's always in position to receive kicks. He's always mm-hmm. doing his duty in like the defensive realm, kick defence. Just knows his stuff. And he, he's he's very much the French style nine. Partly because he is a French nine. He is he's a French, French nine, yeah. French Portuguese has played um almost all of his rugby in France for um Poe and Carcassonne and indeed Toulouse for a, a period. So he's playing at home or one of his former homes today. He's a lovely player. Yeah, their all... back three as well was ace. Oh. Stolte plays at Stade Francais. He's a he's a real quality player. Yeah, but I've never heard of it. that said. I've never really heard of him, or I've, I didn't really know a lot about him before this World Cup. But they've announced themselves. What a way to end the pool stages! And for all of the criticism that the World Cup draw has given us, and I, if I was Scottish, I'd feel hard done by Paul C. How much entertainment? Yeah, incredible, isn't it? Absolutely. And this Portugal result makes me think. There is a real, real argument now to have, like, a second-tier knockout. I think there is becoming a bit of a groundswell. Why would you not want of, to see more of this? They've already ruled it out pretty much. Well, well, Rob Kitson in The Guardian last week had an article saying that it, the World Cup is expanding to 24 teams, but they're not going to have any kind of plate competition. That's a joke. They, they, I mean, to me... There is more storylines being written at that level because I kind of know the storyline between Ireland and Scotland. Don't care. Yeah, you know, I know the storyline between England and Australia. Don't care. But watching Argentina, Japan write their own history that was exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, watching Portugal versus Fiji. <clears throat> when do they get to play each other? You know, that's yeah, exciting. Yeah. That's what the World Cup is about. It's about matching nations that don't play against each other and can, and can be competitive. So to me, the cup would be a great way or a plate. Sorry, yeah, a great way to do this. You you just rule out the fifth ranked team in every um, pool, yep, and then play from there. Just just mirror the quarters um, and semis and final. And also, it has a material benefit to the group stages because a lot of these teams, like okay, if you're not one or two, you're going out, you're going out. So you end up playing dead rubbers really early, really early on. But this would keep everything interesting because the only place you can't finish is last. Yes, yeah, yeah. If you want, and, and then tie some fun into it, or however you want to do it, but it it really should happen because as well. Now next weekend, we've only got we've got two days of rugby, and there's two games per day. If you doubled that, you'd have eight games over the yeah. over next weekend, and the following is just two two games across two days, and same again for the final. Is obviously the third place and then final two games, one of which no one really cares about mm-hmm. across two days. Yeah, and just look at the teams that we've... I mean, look at the teams that we've lost from the tournament who would... It's not like the olden days where these teams would be absolutely terrible. Um, Samoa gave a good account of themselves. Tonga gave, gave, gave a good account of themselves. We already mentioned Japan. 
there's a couple of tier two nations that are really making a name for themselves, like Australia, you know, <laughs> Scotland. Uruguay, Uruguay's Uruguay. Per- performance again this weekend less so, um, but against France, um, second week of the tournament, they put in a great shift and they got some lovely players. So yeah, we we said you know, this, like, there is eighty minutes of rugby that we've already had that nobody's seen that I'm desperate to see, and that is Ireland against Portugal, like <laughs> prob- probably like in in very different ways the two, or certainly the the two most the the two best attacks in different ways depending on whether you just want to go complete cavalier or real <laughs> intricate skill and and uh, and planning. But apparently it was a box office match behind closed doors. It was a game just basically to get Johnny Sexton up to speed. And apparently Portugal at times tore Ireland apart. And rumour is they scored four tries against Ireland. Oh, bloody hell, this really happened. Yeah, yeah it really that... happened. Was it, was it in La Rochelle? It was somewhere on the... Might somewhere, a... Something like that, yeah. It was behind closed doors. It yeah. was basically a game engineered to give Johnny Sexton some game time. Yes. Crikey. Yeah. And, well, I mean, and, and the Irish and the rumours coming out of the that have sort of apparently come out of the island camp were like, oh no, they're really good. Well, they are really they good. Are, they are really uh, good. The thing about this Portugal team, so they do have a few weaknesses. So the weaknesses are their second rows look like like level seven <laughs> second rows. Do you know what I mean like just tall blokes? Uh, I was watching them in the line out, and we, we actually, well, I commented and Phil agreed. Oh, and you'll know the guy. You know, he looks like one of our friends called Mike Hainsworth. Like, he literally looks like him in his, in his prime. <laughs> Just a tall bloke in the line-out. Which is great for line-outs, but, you know, very little else. Um, uh, and the other thing is, is zero threat in the, in the breakdown. So they don't get to steal ball. But if they could fix big second rows and a, st- and a breakdown threat, and I know that's a fairly elite shopping list, they would be really good. Yeah, lovely team. Lo- lovely all-round team. What a job Patrice Lagesquet has done. He's a French coach coaching Portugal, and I would I'd take him for England like that. <laughs> yeah, that's, maybe there'll be a few people. Uh, oh, looking, looking he, his stock is on another level. I just remembered in the last World Cup, it was fantastic seeing Uruguay beat Fiji. Yeah, I think it's just Fiji in the last game of their pool matches. Just go, I'll go on then. They're just such nice. They're such lovely men. They might be giants <laughs> and, and physical freaks, but they're just such soft, lovely men. They go, go on then. Well, have I, a win. So I was talking to JB about this, um, and I think there's a there's a tricky uh, mental edge to this. If you are the the kind of team that's either already qualified or who, who's heavily heavily backed to qualify i think we've seen this a couple of times this weekend one because like you will switch off if you think the job is done or the job is almost done like naturally you will relax a little bit more but also you will be terrified of getting injured and missing the quarterfinal the basically the biggest game of your life mm. so ev- like you will always dial it back now i'm i've kind of thought of that while watching the uh the England Samoa game, not really to make an excuse for England, but perhaps to explain some of their malaise. But it was also it was definitely true in this Fiji game. I think whatever it was, they didn't play as well as they could have done. But it meant Portugal got the win, which I'm delighted to see, and I'm certain we'll see a better version of Fiji next weekend. I hope oh, yeah. so, because if this version of Fiji shows up, England are going to have a field day with them. Well, Eng- England weren't great themselves. Right? No, no, I'm, I'm happy, happy to talk about just, just how much they weren't 
They weren't good. We could go from the sublime to the ridiculous. Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's jump to the t- yesterday afternoon's four forty-five England versus Samoa. Well, I, you know, this was a classic case of players desperate not to play again. <laughs> I mean, you look and at people some... booked holidays, do you reckon? And they're just getting in trouble with the misses if they <laughs> something was going on because they were awful. But they they were already through, weren't they? And I think they yeah. were they were already had already topped the group. Yeah, even if they got nothing. Argentina only could have drawn level with them on points, which means England win in the head-to-head. Yeah. So it it, it was... England could not have um, finished anywhere else than top, I think. Now, yeah, refereeing decisions in this game, and actually the Portugal game, some of them were horrific, absolutely horrific. And so was some of the commentary, actually. Let me just, <laughs> let me just go back to the Portugal game. Some of the worst comments... In fact, just... I'm going to just round up the Portugal game with this before we go on to England. Everybody, right, Fiji, the commentary team, the the analysts, the referee, they all try their hardest to ruin this game by being substandard. Um, and it's only the fact that Portugal were really good which which kind of saved it. But one of the one, one of the things which got me uh, this combination of complete incompetence was the fact that Portugal break that. St- Storming down the near t- touchline, and a Fijian guy high tackles the Portuguese ball carrier. Right, it wasn't a hard high tackle. It wasn't a car. Like a seat seatbelt. Seatbelt right over the head, and the commentator goes, "Oh, high tackle there, but that won't matter." I was like, "It bloody will! It bloody will!" Because they immediately turned it over, and then Fiji sco- sco- scored a try. Now, not only does the commentator have no clue what she's talking about, right, but in addition to that. If this was another team, I suspect that that would have been looked at. Luke Pearce would have seen it. And what is the TMO there for? I mean, I thought we were meant to be changing behaviours. Uh, and it is actually a 14-point swing. This could have been a completely different game. Well, they, it, it reminded me as well. Well, well Eddie Jones well, might be the one person who's uh, most <laughs> in agreement with you there, JB. Yeah, yeah. good point. Um, it, it reminded me of the, in the Italy-France game, the first half Italy try oh, that, that Ferrari try that was ridiculous that was disallowed which was totally ridiculous but that's that was about that was a uh, less clear penalty than this one was against Portugal so yes. it, it, it kind of it's the inconsistency that we've said before if it's if there's bad decisions all the time you kind of get used to it when you're supposed to have such a high standard and you can get, or not even get things right, but you can be pedantic and pernickety when it suits, when a mm. larger team, bigger team is getting um, screwed over, then it just doesn't seem right. Yeah, it felt like ITV emptied their bench, like got everyone some <laughs> playing time uh, in, in, in this week's broadcast because it wasn't particularly good in, okay, a, in the, any the, aspect. The, just on the French TV is... I, I don't understand French entirely. I pick up little bits and bobs when they're talking. But what I get is an overwhelming sense that they absolutely love rugby. Mm. Mm. They just love it. They, you can tell that everything they do, they're smiling as they do it. Do you think, and, he, um, do you think Hugh Woosencroft lo- loves rugby? Massive, he must be. He's on ITV, JB, doing the Rugby World Cup. It'll be a massive, <laughs> he's a massive rugby fan. I agree. He loves rugby. There's no toys about that. <laughs> Yeah. Will, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, England. England. Well, why was I talking about um, what made me think about that? Oh, refereeing decisions. So another awful refereeing decision. Um, 
Not giving, not not letting Ollie Chesham's try stand. I agree, hundred <laughs> percent. Which one was Ollie Chesham's try? The one where he said it got disallowed because he pre- apparently propelled himself forward. Oh with yeah, his arm. that was a try. I agree with you there. I mean, hundred percent a try. Yeah. Well, the only thing I can think of really is if the knee goes down, which his knee had not gone down. No. Then you're in second movement territory, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Well, as in getting back to your knee and then propelling yourself. Yeah. No, it was a, just a try. It was really, It was funny. The TMO but, went, let me show you that again. Before you make a decision, let me show you that again in real time. And then played an even slower mo, slow-mo <laughs> version of it. But... I, I mean, England s- did a lot of things slowly in this game, but that was that, that was another, another level. Now, in the NFL, and I know it's a different sport, if your elbow touches the floor, that is the same as a knee touching the floor. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the laws are in rugby, but I would say that's a reasonable standard. If your elbow is on the floor, you are down, and therefore you can't propel yourself forward. It probably is a reasonable. I don't know if that's in the laws. I, I, I don't know either. You always judge it on the knee. Because if it, if, if it was the knee, he's not down. Yeah, it's always been the law that you can extend your arms to score a try. Yeah. But it's the propelling forward, isn't it, that's the issue. But no, I would have given that a try. I think, if look, if that was Samoa... Not given a, given that a try, I would have lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> As it happens, I had other things to shout about because the Nigel R. Wong <clears throat> third try, not his fourth try, his third try, um, was a knock on. Yes, and that knock on, I mean, it might have been a knock on, it might not have been a knock on, but it wasn't clear and obvious, and was not clear and obvious. No, the extra points had been kicked. Yeah, now they, they uh, have, that, that, that law's changed. Yeah, they have changed that law, but it kind of makes a mock like, and it, as as someone watching as a as a fan, you want to kind of have closure. You want to know. So, it, the sixty seconds, if you can't make a decision within those sixty seconds for the kick, it by definition is not clear and obvious. Therefore, you you should be out of time. It takes that long to confirm. Now, I actually do think it probably was the right decision. But I would have been happy for that try to stand because it took so long. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, they, they just didn't need to go come up for that. I, I can't see how, as a TMO, you look at that and go, oh, this needs to be reviewed. It did not need to be reviewed. It was not clear and obvious. There was a <coughs> forest of hands. It was impossible to know who propelled that ball forward. I mean, you can have a guess, but that's, <laughs> not, what we're, that's not what we're here for. The laws state clear and obvious, and it was not clear or obvious. Yeah, we we need to... Yeah, we need to limit that somehow. But now, now the Pandora's box has been opened, you're never going that's to. It, that's the case with TMOs and everything in general, isn't it? Once you can check one thing, you can check everything, and it, it's just a slow creep towards a robot now I, officiating rugby. I did like an unorthodox use of the TMO um, in the last second of the Portugal game for the kick where the, the nine was oh, going to take... Oh, yes. Good point. He was lining up the kick from the five-metre line instead of the... the fif- coaches were going spare. 15 meter- yeah, rightly so. You're, you're yeah. making this way harder, unnecessarily harder. God, I was nervous that kick. And, uh, yeah. and Luke Pearce, like, I think it's probably outside his remit to use it for that purpose, but that was it was exactly the right call. Like It really mattered at that time. Yeah. yeah. And it's for an extra five seconds in a... Uh, conversion attempt when he stopped the clock as well is just irrelevant like just get on with it so just a quick question James Lay the Samoan prop he looks so much like the old All Blacks prop and I can't remember who do you know which one I mean Uh, not entirely certain I'll find him for you the guy who was a doorman there was a guy who was a doorman 
uh, who played for the All Blacks. Oh yes. Um, I mean, they could. I mean, that could be anyone actually. I bet, <laughs> I bet there's a lot of Dortmund. The, 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 the Simone prop with the with the big mustache. Yes. Um, T- Tunga Fassi. Yes, maybe that's him. Maybe yeah. that's him. I was just looking at him and thinking, is it? Now you said it, I do know. I've got a picture of him up there. Yes, can you get Tunga, Tunga Fassi? No, I, mate, I don't think Tunga Fassi's the one I'm thinking no. of. It's not. But there, um, is a, a, there is a prop that looked just like that. Yeah, it's not Tunga Fassi. No, it's not him. That's him? Uh, it's not. Okay, fine. <laughs> it's not him. That's not. I, I can see the one I'm thinking of. I just... Yeah, it looks, uh, it looks like James anyway. Lay. <laughs> yeah, the guy that looks like James Lay. He was in the 2019 World Cup squad, so I'm just having a look. Uh, no, maybe he wasn't. Anyway, anyway, it really doesn't matter. Yes, <laughs> one of those not, not great, not a uh, not great podcast <laughs> content. Us looking up <laughs> pictures, <laughs> trying to find a, a face match between two props. Yes, so yeah. I mean, England were underwhelming. That, that's that's the first thing. They actually yeah. they actually started okay. They did they start did start well, which looking all right, which has been a, a bit of a theme recently of kind of starting okay, and then after ten minutes falling apart if you, if you were just going to use words to describe England's performance descriptive words what would you what would you pick I'd go slow wilting uh, hesitant yeah degenerating <laughs> um, what, what cumbersome yes cl- clunky I'm not sure what the more like um... clunky's a good one yeah. Nothing flowed. Like, you, the England team at the minute, this is this is why, right, so all the chat, and I'm sure we can get onto it, and there's definitely a conversation to be had about personnel, but I've, and I've said this before, uh, all the chat now is about, oh, this player should start, this player should be on the bet, this player should be on this position. This, it, I just don't care about that. I'm quite happy to have the conversation, but, like, this England team cannot pass the ball from one side of the pitch to the other looking like competent rugby players. I mean, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a personnel issue. It there, sounds like a personnel some, issue to me, mate. Yeah, but you, well, swap, you swap um, back, back A out for back B or back B out for back C. Do you not it think doesn't that, matter. It doesn't change it. It, do, it doesn't change it. So there's something, there's something in the top two inches. Um, my theory is, and this may be just something you've said before, JB, that I'm now you know, speaking back to you, which I've, it wouldn't be the first time I've done it, but <laughs> they, they don't believe in Borthwick, but... We there is no one that has got the guts to actually form any sort of resistance. Well, and is that that you you sort of said talked yeah. about the good soldiers in the past, didn't you? Yes. Well, there is one guy who's not a good soldier, and I think Joe, Joe Marler. Joe, yes. Well, not just Joe Marler. There's another one too, and I think England need leaders. Uh, it was Danny Kerr. Like Danny Kerr comes on, and like sometimes it backfires for him because he he plays his game, and that's it. But when he came on. I, he he turned the game on his own. He turned the game because he's the only one that has shown any real leadership, and that's what you need, really. Someone say, "Well, hang on a minute. This is how I play the game, and you need to do this differently because you're currently all dreadful." But that, I think I think that in itself is a tactic, and I've said this before that England will they'll they will try not to lose any game up to say sixty, sixty-five, seventy minutes, mm. and then if they're winning, they will keep up with that tactic. If they are losing. That is the only time when they will kind of let it rip, and that's that was. So I think the Danny Care coming on coincided with that change of strategy. Yeah, I, I've seen enough of Freddie Stewart now. Um, I love the guy. 
he's not an international uh, fullback. He he does he does a few things very very well. Yeah, he does other things not so well. And one one of my like we've spoken about his defensive stuff in the past. One of my frustrations in this game was Manu makes a break in the first half, running down the right hand side. Freddie Stewart, you might not have spotted this, but Freddie Stewart is the closest man tracking the ball, and he runs a lazy attacker's line that basically means the covering Samoan winger blocks Manu's pass the whole time. Yeah, Freddie Stewart never fights to either delay his run or find a wider channel, which would be, make it a harder pass, but there is a pass on. Yeah. Um, it just ends up running this line, which means that Manu has no option but to take contact with three guys. Yeah. Which I- A better, a more astute uh, running line from Stewart would have created a pass option for Manu, and he goes in, he scores a try if he runs a better line. Freddie Stewart, right, I- I'm starting to think that he is so good at certain things that he neglects the other areas of his game. He needs to be sent back to his club, and he needs to work constantly on everything that he's bad at, which it turns out he's like an A-plus at, say, two things. High, high balls, yeah. sometimes. He, he, I think he's very, very good at high I think he's... He, Everyone has the occasional fumble yeah. with a high ball. Yeah. He is very, very good at high ball. Yeah, if you're getting like three out of four, yeah, okay, fine. I think he's, I think he's more than seventy five percent. Yeah, something like that. I think, I think we notice if if the man who's getting told talked up as the world's best guy under the high ball. No, no, no. Was, I think there's a seventy five percent. Simply just catching it. I think contested high balls are a different game. If you're seventy five percent on contested high, high balls, attacking and defensive, that's amazing. That yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. If you narrow it to just com- two contested high yeah, balls. Yeah, if, if, if he's dropping one in every four. Would, yeah, yeah, on, on normal kicks, yeah. that would be an issue. Um, so, yeah, he's really good at that. But, like, and ball carrying. I think he's a very good ball carrier. Well, because he's 6'5 he's and 105-plus yeah. kg. Everything else is just not good enough. It's not terrible, but it's not good enough for international rugby. I, he, I, I tend to agree. Yeah, uh, And also, with all the talk around 10-12 uh, and... and Re- reflecting on this and thinking about it, international rugby now, I, I think you do need two playmakers in a back line. And, for, you know, I've, <clears throat> I look at Ireland and I go, well, actually, they just they, they spread their skill set right across the team. And that would be the ideal, to have lots of people that are just very, very good. New Zealand, I, I'd say, are a bit like that as well. But, yes, um, it helps when you have at least two Barrett brothers. Yeah, and that, that, that does help. And a, but you, and a D-Mac off the bench. Yeah. yeah. You need kicking ability. You need someone that can win the game line battle. You need, and you need some brains that can open up opposition defences. Fifteen, I think, is probably the, the optimum position to get that second, that second pair of eyes and that second creative force. And it appears right. to be when you look at the rest of rugby, that that's that's where it is. Once upon a time, it was ten twelve. Yeah, it, may, it can still work in that fashion, but ten fifteen is probably optimum. Or I it, completely it, agree. It can also work at nine ten. I think like like, like France do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, very you, much I, so. You could get really complex, couldn't you? And like move the twelve to fifteen, and what? I think twelve needs to be an absolute warrior now. It needs to be an absolute rock of a human being. Um, you look at Bendiaki, who was just magnificent. Jonathan Dante, yeah, Dante Dialande, Dialande, or Esther Hazen. Take your pick. You just yeah. need an absolute warrior. Uh, you know, kicking's great. I mean, it's lovely. It's a nice thing to have, but ultimately you need to smash things. Um, but, but that said, that said, it is possible to find other ways to do it. Phil just mentioned France and I- Ireland, partly because of the the high number of people they take from Leinster and the, uh, the 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 way the game is set up, and they have a lot of time as a team. 
that word cohesion has become a bit of a cliche with Ireland, but that, that just demonstrates that you can crack and you can skin a cat in lots of different ways. Crack a nut, skin a cat, whatever metaphor you want to <laughs> use. Skin, um, skin a nut and crack a cat. Yeah, but exactly. it's, it's hard to do, and it's taken it's taken them a long time to to develop. Alex Mitchell um, had a really poor game, and I'm really disappointed with this because I thought he was going to be one of those guys that they pick, and he just swims. Well, I'll come to his defence a little bit because well, yeah, he, he he did have a bad game, but the forward pack, the ball that they were giving him was awful. And one way you can tell this, if you go back and watch the game, look how many times the referee said "use it" to England. Yeah, like, when you when yeah. you watch good teams, you never hear "use it" because the ball's already gone. That's a really good indicator. That is. Yeah, you will very rarely hear it with Ireland. Yeah, yeah, that's Cause a really because they, they want really fast rook ball. Good, yeah, very good point, Tim. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what it is with England forwards. They're just... I can't even describe them. They're just not good enough. They're not good enough. Outside of Ben Earl. I mean, obviously, Tom Curry... I mean, Tom Curry, Courtney Laws... The names are world-class, but the performances well, aren't. Yeah, Tom Curry, he's not played a lot of rugby through injury and suspension. Courtney Laws is... I hate to say it. He's probably past his peak. Uh, certainly, his performances appear to be past his peak. Um, it's People hooked. said the same about Peter Romani about a year or two ago. Yeah, that, that, that is true. I'm, I'm, I love courts, but yeah, yeah. I, I would 100% love to be proved wrong next week and the week after and the week after that. Well, the front row is one that disturbs me. There is no, I, I mean, there's lots of pouting. There's loads of pouting, <laughs> like you know, just nonsense pre-game and in, especially from Genge in um, all the interviews and the attitude and whatnot. But like they just don't have any bites. They don't do which, anything. Which other top international team would our props start for, or in some cases even get in the matchday squad for? Not South Africa. Oof. No. Not Ireland. Wales. No. They, they'd probably get a game at Wales. Yeah. yeah. Both of them. All. Yeah. France. Yeah. France. No. no. France. Not even close. Uh, New Zealand. Genge might have a crack at New Zealand. New, New Zealand. Mm. Yeah. Genge, if he was playing like he was a couple of years ago, yes. Playing like uh, he is now. Know, it might not even be Genji's fault, actually. It might it might be the case that England are playing such a slow, methodical game, if that's the right word for it, that he doesn't get to crash balls in as and when. Yeah, and, and that would be kind of... That's my kind of thought on that personnel isn't the issue, it's, it's other factors. Because I think, honestly, if you took Johnny Sexton, who was a brilliant, again, in the 50 minutes that he played, mm. we'll have to talk about that. If you plucked him out and you just swapped him and George Ford around, we'd be talking about George Ford today being world-class and Johnny Sexton being mediocre and maybe past it. Yeah, yeah it's a good point. Do you know, like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to go back to this pack. I'm thinking about what they do well. Like, when's the last time you saw Courtney Laws use his hands or carrying the channel? Uh, the things he's really good at. Like, you just don't see it. Like, Tom or, Curry. Or putting a, like, a big hit. Just le- just leathering people. Like, Ben Earl has done well. Tom yeah. Curry is a monstrous ball carrier. Yeah. He is monstrous. Like, he's one of the better ball carriers wearing a seven or a six shirt on the planet when he wants to be. Mm. He got a turnover in that first 10 minutes and I turned to uh, the guy I was watching the game with at the Stade de France and I said, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, I think Charlie Morgan brought this up in a piece he wrote before the World Cup. Like, just not that many turnovers. Uh, like, So you've got all these guys that do things. The only one who I'd expect to excel in this sort of system would be Marrow because he he's all about interventions and work rate. And it does... That would lend itself to Mario's skill set, and he's been well useless. Yeah, he's uh, not stood out. He's not been h- himself. And Oli Chesham is England's only attacking threat. 
<laughs> in the wild. Or, or a 36-year-old Danny Kerr. Yes. Oh, and, and Jamie George is our second kicking option. <laughs> Fant- oh, wow. Fantastic. Wow. Uh, well, we've, we've sleepwalked into a... Uh, like, again... It's four from four, top of the pool, and we're in a quarterfinal against Fiji. Yeah. I'd have ta- I'd have bitten your hand off for that. Hundred percent. Yeah. And also, can I? Just, I mean, let's just. Can we just talk about England's defence a second? Because that's another thing which is very worrying. I think the defence itself is pretty good. Like the structure of the defence is pretty good, but the one-on-one tackling is miserable. So when they get when they're getting excited, they're okay. But there again, I say the structure. One of the things which really baffled me is the amount of time they were given the Samoa back row to carry the ball onto them. I'm thinking, like, if you wanted to put yourself in the worst position, would it not be letting Fritz Lee run the ball at you over and over again? <laughs> would that not be, like, a really stupid thing to do? Or Brian Aloise, or whatever his name is. Yeah. I don't know what you see. Or any of the back line, any of the Samoa back line. Who, yeah. A few of those boys had a great game. The fullback had a good game, the two uh, wingers. Um, Nigel R1 was lovely. superb. Yeah, R1 was lovely. Um... Sopranga had a good game. Yes, he really did. He's he's actually had a good World Cup. <clears throat> he's a little and bit um, heavy. He he is a little bit heavy. Um, and uh, Leo Leofano has played in some of the other games and shaken a bit on some of the kicks. Like in the uh, in the Argentina game, if he had his kicking boots on, I think they would have won that game. Um, but the, the, I think the best player wearing a Samoa shirt was Theo McFarland. Best player on the. Yeah, on the yeah, pitch. yeah. Actually, that's you're 100 percent right. He was the best player on the park. Yeah, he was magnificent. He was so good. Did you know that he once played basketball? No. When when was this? <laughs> so when? Oh, that... did did they? Oh, did they finally mention that in comms? <laughs> they didn't. I don't think they did actually. I no, think... they did. So oh, did they? Brilliant. Three three minutes into the game, where he just made a tackle, and uh, Ben K brought it up. I was like, oh, like obviously there are people watching that game who have yeah. never seen Theo McFarlane, so I, I don't blame exactly. Ben K uh, for bringing it up. But I was thinking, um, like, surely, right? So, surely playing rugby for Samoa is a better accolade than playing <laughs> rugby. For, so I, so I looked up. Do you know where? So Samoa, whatever they are, fifteenth ranked in the world in rugby. Do, yeah. you, know, do you know where they are in basketball? Six hundred eighth. <laughs> they are one hundred twenty second. Wow! Just above, just uh, around Suriname, Singapore, and Belize. So wow. he has two caps for the 122nd ranked team where he's playing for one of the top um, 15, top 20 ranked teams in the world in rugby and one of the top um, rugby club teams in the world yep. who are renowned for developing an unearthing talent. So like, those are better accolades. Far not, better. Not the basketball one. Yeah, and actually, you say you forgive Ben Kate. I don't. Like I would forgive like some guy that they've just bust into the World Cup because they need you know someone without much experience. But Ben K should know better than this. Well, it is, well no, Phil, Phil's point is a good one. That Ben K should find the vast more majority of the audience facts. wouldn't wouldn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Can I just and say about the basketball fact? What does it actually add to you? Well, that's the that's the thing. Like he's got. I guess everyone thinks he's got good good hands. But then he's supposed to be one of the best rugby players on the planet. So he should have good hands. Yeah, it's only a good fact if the basketball team... If, if he played for, like, the Chicago Bulls, then it's a good uh, fact. Yeah. If we, like, yeah, maybe he was in the training squad for the Chicago Bulls or he played, like, double-A college basketball yeah, or something. That's like that. That'd be good. But yeah, Phil, Phil's right. Samoa is... 
he's absolute bobbins. It's probably better <laughs> if you're playing for, I don't know, Manchester Giants. Yeah, they're, they're, local team. I, I bet there's lads who played England this week that played a high level of cricket than <laughs> Dave McFarlane played basketball. <laughs> and no one mentions that. <laughs> Uh, although Tom, Tom I, Curry was offered a contract by um, by Derbyshire. Well, um, uh, ben, ben Earl. Earl. Ben Earl was a high level. Was apparently a better cricketer than rugby player in his youth. I can believe that, and he'd be a world class cr- uh, crossfitter too. <laughs> well, the, the Curry boys and Ben Earl would be fairly oh, yeah, handy at that. Be amazing. And I, like well, I, I, I do love like we we for a long time have loved that kind of knowledge, like the. Nick Kennedy's mum's an author. Thanks, guys. Um, whose mum taught Ed Sheeran? Is that Johnny May? Johnny May. Johnny, Johnny May's, May's mum taught... taught Ed Sheeran music. Yeah. yeah. So we love, we do love that kind of stuff. Whose mum worked with my friends? Oh, Danny Grucock's mum. Yeah. Worked with our friend Trev's mum. Right. Oh, so, really? so we played with the uh, rugby with a guy. Yeah. Called Trev. All, all three of us. All, all, all three of us did. Yeah. And one of my favourite stories was Trev explaining how his mum explained to Danny Danny Grucock's mum. How Trev was really good at rugby, but did not know what what Danny Grucock's mum's son did. <laughs> now Trev Trev is really good. At he rugby. is really he played, good. He played in Leicester Grammar team that had Harry Ellis in, so he was a he was a genuinely and he's like he's not the, the hardest trainer, no, um, but he is one of the best like. Um, certainly one of the best tacklers I ever played with. He was such lovely technique. Even so, would you tell Danny Group Danny Group no, that? No, absolutely <laughs> not. He's a great player, but yeah, <laughs> Mrs. Grucock. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's another one as well. Uh, it was Luke Narway's dad's a butcher. Yeah, yeah stuff like yeah. that. Uh, we, we, we live for this stuff. Ka- Cowan Dickey's dad, fisherman, Fish- fisherman, yeah. Jack Knoll. Fisherman. 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 Oh, fish, fishmonger or fisherman? I'm not sure I, thought, I think they both might be fishermen, but mm. either or. They work with fish. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. So, Weldon Samoa, I mean, a team that I'd like to see more of. Um, mm. But they're going home, but they go home with, with some style, finally. I think. Yeah, and I will, I will say forward. that mm. Lima Sopawanga, they missed him earlier in the pool stage, because you said Theo McFarlane, best player on the pitch. I thought Lima Sopawanga was. He was amazing. He did play well. Mm. He controlled controlled the game well. Um and although he, he did miss a couple of kicks, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. But yeah, they gave a good account of themselves. Uh, and yes, on they go. Uh, Scotland, Ireland. My goodness me, <laughs> Ireland are ridiculously good. So the, yeah. the point the point I was making before you uh, you arrived, Tim, was like we said early in the tournament, um, or be, uh, before the tournament, that there was the top four, then Scotland in fifth, and then a gap in everyone else um, further down. And this game just highlighted how big the gap oh, is between the chasm. top four and Scotland and the fifth best team. It's an enormous like this was, this was a beatdown. This was I mean Scotland got they made it look respectable because of their two consolation tries in the last twenty minutes. This game was done. Uh, Ireland had a four try bonus point at halftime. Yeah, uh, it was so one sided. So um, I'm going to just say something which my wife said. Right, and it's nothing to do. With, it is something to do with she, something she spotted in the game, but another thing we need to clear up for the t- TV audience. Mm. She said to me, "That's the second penalty now, but what is the difference between holding on and not releasing?" <laughs> Which is a really good point, isn't it? We need to be more concise with our language because there's civilians out there who have watched the same the same offence and don't know it's the same offence. Because mm. we say holding on. And then, ne- and the next one he goes, "Oh, that's the same, but it's not releasing. What's the difference?" <laughs> Good question. 
Good question. question. Very perceptive point. I like it. Yeah. Um, to me, this game was over after about eight minutes, I think. <laughs> and so you're even... Because I was, I was half-time. When that fourth try, 39 minutes, was it handled? But, uh, anyway, well, half-time, half the game was done. But I, eight I, minutes, you're probably right. Eight minutes was one for me because Scotland had so much ball and they were go- going nowhere. And to me, that was just the most demoralising thing. When you've got the ball and you can't get through the defensive line, it doesn't matter where on the position that you are, the position of the field that you are, the advantage automatically turns to, to the defensive team. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll build on that from what you're saying, because you're right. I, I was seeing Scotland constantly running into a brick wall and just going, oh, that didn't work that time. Let's try it again. And the same goes with just first five minutes of a game, penalty in a kickable position. You only had to win by seven, eight points. Kick the bloody goal. It yeah. was just, it was like they were going, they were going for broke from minute one. They had no, they did not kick hardly at all that entire game. And as a result, you removed one whole threat. So Ireland just went, right, we'll chuck everyone in the defensive line, fly up at you. And Scotland got nowhere. You need to have that nuance and that text, the different mm. textures to, I, to, uh, to, to crack a nut, particularly a defence as good as Ireland's. I think Ireland are a very, no, they're not very good. They are a brilliant conventional rugby team now. So if you're going to beat them, you're going to be having to use some sort of unorthodox tactic. I don't know what that is yet. I'm hoping someone's looking at it and thinking... This Joe is what... Schmidt will have been thinking about it for a while, I can guarantee you that. Yeah, like what... The... That's a good point. But what is that? So the one which I've been raving about of late was you know, setting up the box kick, so all the escorting forwards on one side and then whipping out to fly half and then going the other side to an isolated winger, something like, like that. Look back to Argentina-France in the opening game of the other French World Cup all those years ago. Argentina won that game by just kicking the ball over and over and over again. Now, I don't think those two things are going to beat Ireland, but there'll be something out there which will disrupt Ireland because rugby is not about solutions, it's about trade-offs. And what have Ireland traded off to do this? And that's the answer you need in order to beat Ireland. And even if you get that answer, you might not beat them. Yeah, and it might just be that the trade-offs are so limited for the point that Tim made out before, that like certainly in the, the back line, they are so well-rounded. Mm. Like you, you kind of have multiple players who can be uh, wide-running threats, multiple players who can be crash-ball threats, multiple players who can be... Uh, Clearly, Jameson Gibson Park players. and Gary Ringrose were the wingers for a massive yeah. chunk of that game. Yeah, Gibson Park on the wing repeatedly, like phase after phase, was, uh, was interesting to see. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you another lovely thing about Ireland is the precision with the ball. Like, that second try, wow. Yeah, well, the first try, to be fair. I mean, just both, yeah. when they when they break, they know they've got a mission in hand, and invariably they can they complete that mission. It's very impressive. Mm. Yeah, so, I, I, it's. I think that the team that's going to beat them is going to be unconventional, or they have to manhandle them to the nth degree, and they need to keep beating them up until they're dead. Yeah, South Africa have tried that once, and it almost worked. I would Pro- do that again. Probably should have worked. I think it could work. Like if, if South Africa Island is the final, I I've said this before. I think South Africa do win it second time round. Yeah, I don't think France can do it. I think France will. I think uh, France can. I think. I mean, France could could if they stay consistent for eighty minutes. France will batter Ireland for ten, switch off for ten, batter them mm. for ten, switch, and that's not enough because in those te- France will do some things that that Ireland can't 
can't predict. Well, France Island. Uh, one of the reasons I would love that as a final is it would be that perfect balance. Both incredible attacks, but France because they have the capacity to do things that nobody was expecting, least of all the opposition. Mm. And Ireland, and what was so impressive about watching them against Scotland is like, oh, we know what they're going to do here. They're going to do the Johnny Sexton wraparound, decoy <laughs> runner out the back. You know what they're going to do and you still can't stop it. You can't, can you? Yeah. All these years. Yeah. It's, it is amazing. There must be something in it. Because from, from where we're watching, it just looks like Johnny Sexton's about to do a wraparound and then he does it and somehow there's a hole somewhere for for someone. Yeah, I think pre-tournament, I think Tim said it. A lot, a lot of people saying it, but I think Tim it was just the brutality that um, was it Bundyaki. Bundyaki, yeah. I mean, that's He's so some good yeah, rugby at the moment. That's so underrated, isn't it? Just to have an absolute rock because the background's nice and Ringo is a beautiful player, and mm. they all say, "Oh, look at that wonderful break," which is great. But it's all because Bundyaki is beat, beating men up. Yes. And that, that's what it's all about. And then, then you can have all those other things. But he is so important now because he does so many, so many good things. And like, Scotland could not get through that channel. It just wasn't, it wasn't a, an option for them, whether it be through Finn Russell or through their, their, their inside centre. It just, it just didn't happen. So for Scotland, like we, we will get to talk about Ireland more in this tournament. Um, maybe just one week more, who knows. But for Scotland... This has got to be a disappointing World Cup because they, yeah. the two games, basically they had, they knew they had to win one of those two games, South Africa and Ireland, and they didn't really come close. No, like they were actually they got bullied by South Africa, certainly in the end, certainly in the second half um, when the kind of scales tipped a bit more against them. They simply don't have they, the horsepower. They just, I this was a great shot for them, and they just came up short. So is it? Like I can imagine there are some conversations going on in, in Scottish rugby clubs and indeed the SRU and indeed perhaps the changing rooms of Scotland on Saturday. Is this Townsend fault? Is it Finn Russell's fault? Is it for that exact reason that you say, JB, that they they don't they they've got a few South Africans but maybe not quite enough South Africans? That now? would be what I would be thinking. <laughs> That's because what do they lack? They they lack the ability to bend the line. And they've tried a lot of solutions to this. I thought Rory Dodge... Rory Dodge? Is that his name? Dodge. Dodge. Yeah. Rory. Rory Rory's it? a Scottish name. That'd be Yeah, fun. close enough. You know, uh, he did really well carrying the ball. But they've only got one of him. Like, there's just well, not De- enough. Dempsey's the one for me. Dempsey, who, sorry. It's not yeah, Dempsey. Not, yeah. Dodge, Dodge has been right. Dempsey, I think all tournament and pre-tournament, he's carried really well. Yeah. He's, he's big, he's athletic. He does it over and over and over again. Um... But yeah, you're right. In the in the pack, they've not got enough, and they they probably don't bring Duan into the game as much as they should do. No, they you'd want him through the middle because he is he's then he's then like you've got an Australian number eight and a um, South African winger as your two best carrying threats. Yeah, you got to you got to use them more. They do use uh, Dempsey, they don't use um, Van der Merwe as, as much in that heavy traffic. And um, yeah, it's quite lazy, isn't it? So what they need is. A world class second row and a world class front row and a world class back row. I mean, you know, <laughs> Who doesn't? You know, yeah, but they do need more carrying threats. And I think maybe what rugby is teaching us this year is you you can play beautiful rugby and that's great, but you need big men. And it's when mm. you get the big guys and the cohesion and the beautiful rugby all in one go. You can't have one of these things. 
you can take a team so so far. Like, I think Wales are going to find this out the hard way. Like You can optimise that team, but the talent of that team will take you as far as that team will go. <clears throat> yeah. Speaking of beautiful rugby, did either of you watch the Japan-Argentina game? Oh, I did. Yeah. I watched the first half and then I had to go out. Cause that, there was... Finally, Mateo Carreras delivered on uh, what we were expecting pre-World Cup. Oh, his, I think it was his first try, where yeah. he hits that, the line, that line off the number nine. When you're like the number nine, you know he's not quite got enough gas, and then from nowhere, from the side, from off screen, the man who does have enough gas just burns onto it. I loved that. Yeah. But it, this was has, has he has he got sorry just on on an aside has he mm. gone from Newcastle yet? Has some big French team paid him a delivered him a a, a truckload of money to his house? Surely, like not that I'm aware I, of. I, I'm just going to enjoy him while he is in England, but it can't, he's, can't be he's much longer. A, he's in Newcastle for the love of the city. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I don't think you understand that, Tim. He's um, a big, he's a big uh, Toon fan now that they're doing doing well in the Premier League and, and Champions League. Yes, yeah. of course. Um, but just enjoy if, if enjoy his rugby, but also enjoy his quads. His oh my quads, goodness me! His upper legs, his legs, all of his legs are massive. Talking of a massive man, uh, Amatomo Fakatawa. Fakatawa? <laughs> yes. Um, yes. That was very impressive. The second row. He is huge. Uh, he's huge. And there's not many huge men who would do that. That, well, that try for a 50 metre try. Actually, I say he's huge. With a chip and chase. Like, he's, he's, he looks massive. He's not actually that big. I looked him up. He's six foot four. So he's not oh, okay. a giant, but he looked fairly big. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, it's an incredible chip and chase. So that was... There was beautiful tries like the Carreras, well, the Carreras one we mentioned before. There was that was a beautiful try, but this in this game, there was there was strike plays off set piece. There's strike, there strike plays off scrums, which seems to be like scrums for many teams seems only a route to get three points. But yes. to, to witness actual, uh, well conceived, well thought through, and well executed, executed strike plays off scrums was. Fantastic to see from both teams. Agreed. So enjoyed this game. Uh, it, I did always, even though Japan were kind of always in it uh, until the last few minutes. 
I did feel like Argentina were always... They always just had enough. They, yeah, were, they were always going to win this game. I do wonder if England got Argentina the last game of the tournament rather than the first game, if we'd be looking at a completely different set of events. I was having a similar thought. Like I, I wondered if... So you know they, they kind of say you never peak too early. Yeah. So if, if Argentina, like Checker is a, an astute operator, if he'd have made that England game their final, it kind of would have been downhill from there. Yeah. So if you make that a less important game and knowing that whether you play uh, Wales or Fiji or Australia, it doesn't like, in England, Argentina's group, it doesn't actually matter if you come first or second. It's not the drop-off between... Well, as as we found out, uh, as it's played out, Wales and Fiji, but were it Australia and Wales or or any combination of those, the drop off is not actually that much. So it's not a huge benefit, but you get to time your um, kind of march into the quarterfinals, right? Yeah, I, I tell you what would be a concern if I was Argentina is the way that Japan in well certainly first off seemed to do whatever they wanted to the Argentina scrum. That is the biggest concern for I me. Mean, I think they really manhandled them. Yeah, uh, and you know, the, you know, the Japanese scrum is actually very good. People don't don't talk talk about it enough. It's very technically proficient. Uh, but Argentina got battered. They got yeah. really, really battered. That is their weakness, and it's it's weird because historically we'd always be talking about an amazing Argentine scrum. Yeah, and now but, you've got to talk about what they really are, which is a set of incredible backs and a lovely back row too. Fantastic back row, um, fantastic hooker, or pair of hookers. Um, yeah. yeah, props, not as good as they once were. And second rows... Uh, Lavanini is an absolute show pony. Yeah. There's no other word for it. Petty and Lavanini are um, <laughs> show pony. They are volatile as well. It's not caught, <laughs> yeah. them. It's not caught them out yet. But it will. It, yeah, it's, it's coming. It's um, 20, 2019 World Cup, we were there in Tokyo. Well, we, I mean, our bodies were our there. Bo- <laughs> we, you, were, you were there in body, not yeah. if not in spirit. Body, might, and the spirit, the spirit was in the cans of strong zero. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think um, Alamano is probably the better of the three locks that they could have fielded on on, on the weekend. But yeah, they. Mm. Um, it is interesting because you see Argentina going to these quarterfinals now, and because they've not played so well, and Wales are unbeaten. Wales are almost like, yeah, Wales should be favourites. Mm. I'm sure this works both ways because I'm pretty sure Argentina will be thinking, well, who have we got? Wales. Yeah. And they'll be uh, licking uh, their lips at this prospect. Weirdly, I so. think every team in that half of the draw, the two games in Marseille, by the way, which um, if, if that's where I'm going to be, I'm going to be in Marseille. There's a, there's, a, there's a big chunk of me going, oh, man, can I go to Paris? Those <laughs> games are just box office. Marseille will be fun. Anyway, I'm not complaining. But... It almost feels like every one of those teams would be better having the mindset that they're the underdog. But you can't have four underdogs. <laughs> no. Well, I, actually, I think all those teams outside the draw think everyone in that side of the draw is terrible. They all think <laughs> that everyone else is terrible. Yes. Whereas on the other side of the draw, they're all playing big boy rugby thinking everyone's bloody brilliant. Here. <laughs> thinking, win, just win this one and we can have a week off uh, and wait for the final. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it kind of is that though. Like it, like, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, it I, is. I can't see. It, yeah, from this side of the draw, from the uh, Argentina, England, Wales, Fiji, I cannot see any of those teams really firing a shot against the other side. I think the best equipped to do it 
to to push for an upset would be Wales, just because yeah. they are such a they're such a system team and they're so hard to beat. Yeah, although losing Falatau is, I don't think it'll make much of a difference. To be honest, I mean he's great, but I just don't think well, I don't know. He's he's kind of game line. He wins the game line for he, them a lot. It's a bit like what, yeah, what we're talking about. The difference between like losing in the quarter, or losing in the semi. <laughs> like they're, they're not getting to a final. So true, true. Yeah. Um, yeah I, so should we? Do you want to talk talk about any of the other games? Because France battered Italy. No, no one cares about that. Um, Italy are embarrassing. Uh, France I'm, are ri- ridiculous and very, very good. You were at the game, were you not, Tim? Yeah. Well, yeah atmosphere's, been... atmosphere's incredible. There's one song. I want to know what it is. Can someone please email contacttedchasers at gmail.com. Uh, there's a song that they play in the oh. stadiums. <laughs> and the fans go nuts for it. I don't know what it is, but I want to know because I love it. It's a banger. Ooh, don't know. Can you not Tell use, me, please. Can you not use your French to ask one of the uh, other patrons in the ground? I, 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 at the next ground I'm at, I will. It was only like um, when I was at the at the game the other night. I was like, oh, I love this. I, I didn't ask anyone then, and I've, no, I wish I had. I will. I will. It's a, it's a proper tune. Ooh. I have to say the that's the one awesome thing about Marseille, which I'm looking forward to. That, that's where the ground is is the best of any of the stadiums. Oh, that stadium uh, looks incredible. The atmosphere is crazy. And it does bring... Wasn't it in Marseille? Didn't England play a quarterfinal in 2007 yes, in France? They and they were, ri- they were written off and no one... Everyone wrote them off. And they beat Australia, they managed, didn't they? It was. They beat Australia it was in Sher- Marseille. The Sh- Andrew Sheridan show against yeah, Australia. Yeah, that's amazing. Right. That's right. So, he yeah, sent two of the Australian on. props to the bin. That was awesome. Yeah, and I, you remember just looking at the Australian players' faces thinking they were just shell-shocked. This wasn't meant to happen. What's going on? It was in the yeah. Stade Velodrome in Marseille. Yeah, that stadium's crazy. That's the awesome. It's bonkers. So it'll be, and the England fans will be travelling and Wales fans will be travelling in a massive number. Mm. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for that. Awesome. Um, but no, nothing no, nothing really to talk about in the France game. Damien Penno is really good at rugby. Get, who oh. knew? Jalabert is outrageous. And the, and the day after, I um, met Francois Tranduc at the train station. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, tell me about that, because you, you got a picture. That's awesome. I did a little video with him as well. He was cool. So, yeah, I just um, sat down on this little bench waiting for the trains. By the way, Fre- aren't French trains amazing? You love trains anyway. I do. Are you on the TGV? But, um, yeah. Oh. So good. Anyway... So I was sat just we got let down to the platform and I was sat on a chair on the platform and I just did did a double take of the guy next to me. And then I Googled just to double check it was him. I just <laughs> got a photograph of him up. And then I then I just uh and then I messaged the WhatsApp group to say I'm sat next to Francois Tranduc and then Hoppo, one of the guys on the group, gave me the Dutch courage to actually start a conversation with him and yeah. yeah you could not stop me starting a conversation with him. <laughs> I know. He was great. He loved it, but he he reminded. I didn't realize, but I I sort of said, "Oh, you know, Matthew Jalabert, like you hardly miss him, Roman Intermac." And he went, "Yeah, yeah, special." He, but he played with him last year. He was like his last year of playing was. I'm assuming oh. Tranduc's retired now. Yeah, he was like, at uh, Bordeaux. Yeah, backing up Jalabert. Yeah, uh, so Tranduc's had so many clubs. He's done Toulon. He's done Racing. He started at Montpellier. Montpellier yeah, I think obviously. Has he done Leon? I've got a feeling he might have done Leon because so everyone does Leon. And then not do, so he's Bordeaux, Mont- Montpellier, Toulon, Racing, Bordeaux. So pretty big clubs as well. 
And 66 caps for France over 10 years. Not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. What's English like? Perfect. Oh, is it? Yeah. How cool. Mm. And yeah. what, what, like what else did you talk, talk to him about? You, come on, not, it wasn't just a five-minute thing, surely. It was just a five-minute thing because oh, we were God getting on the sakes. train. The train was arriving. Ah, um, right, you didn't get on the train with him. I didn't get on the train. No, because uh, French trains are so well organised. You, you have your seat, and that's your seat. And um, he was on a different carriage. But, so um, I had a really long conversation in the Dubai Sevens with Stephen Donald, and it was awesome. Mm. Absolutely awesome, because we, we played against him. Yeah, I remember you saying you played against him. I recognised him, but I didn't realise who he was. I was like, do I know you? He goes, no, mate, you don't know me. I was like, what's your name? He goes, Stephen, Donald. Oh, you're right, I don't know you, but I can I, I know of you. Yeah. He was massive as well. He's a big, big boy. And who was else on that team? Uh, oh, come on. Casey, you know, Casey La La La? Maybe. Anyway, doesn't really matter. Mm. Yeah. That is cool. That's a really cool dude to meet. Oh, he's he's great company as well. Good on the beers. Loves chatting rugby. Yeah, good. Mm. Very exciting. Uh, in that in that f- f- uh, French Italian game, I was I'm disappointed in Italy. Yeah, just yeah. I I kind of said um, obviously wrongly now that um, were they not in this group, I think they would have had a better chance, one of their best chances to uh, to make a quarter final. Um, probably wrong. The only thing that I'll kind of temper that with is they've got the second youngest squad in the tournament. Therefore, almost everyone will be around in four years' time. Which except for the coach, who wasn't very happy at all when he left. Well, actually, last game he's already been replaced. Mm. So, um, which never really helps, does it? No. Kieran Crowley being announced however many months ago that he will not be there any longer. It's never a good look prior to a tournament. No. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully over the next four years, they can keep this group, the majority of this group. They've got some supremely talented players. Guys like Capriotso, like Brex, like Garbisi, like um, Lamaro and Canoni in the back row. They've got some talent, but they have just been poor. Yeah. They've been so leaky. They're garbage. Fir- first phase defence has just been, yeah, garbage. Yeah, uh, it was an attitude thing. I mean, when you saw some of the tries they were letting in against, I think, was it the All Blacks I watched? It's just yeah, the, it the, all, the All Blacks game was dreadful. So, is this the only World Cup ever where Northern Hemisphere teams have topped every single group? Yeah, Im- imagine our Great question, team, but yes, New, it, New Zealand it, have it never lost. Work, surely. Well, New Ze- oh, yeah, yeah. New, New Zealand have never, never lost a, a pool match, game. Yeah. So, they have always topped one of the groups. Yep. So, yes, it will be. Australia out, Wales top, England top, Ireland top, and France top. Yeah. Imagine how, like, and I, I could understand it, bearing in mind the draw, imagine how salty um, it will be if it's a Northern Hemisphere lockout for the semi-finals. Every chance, isn't there? That would be pretty cool. I mean, I think, okay, let's just stop that now. Let's talk about ne- next week's games because they are supreme. Is there any other game to touch on? We we don't need to talk about New Zealand, Uruguay. We've done a tiny bit on uh, France. We've touched on Wales, touched on England, t- talked about Ireland, talked about Japan. Tong- Tonga Romania was actually quite a good game. Mm. I thought it was going to be a walkover for Tonga um, when they went twenty one nil or twenty one three up, but Romania came back and and showed some positive. So yeah, quite enjoyed and, it. And, and it's good. We've already given it more coverage than anyone else will give that game. Yes, so, brilliant. And that's. That's enough for that. So, yeah, let's talk about next weekend's games. 
So, we've got Saturday, 14th of October, 5 o'clock kickoff in Marseille, where Tim Cocker will be our man on the ground. Wales yep. versus Argentina. Can't wait. And I like this way round. That's the one cool thing about Marseille. I get the evening kickoff live, and then I get to go to a bar and actually drink while I watch the second game. Yeah. yeah. And you're not trying to, like, get out somewhere at 11, because it, it's 9pm 9 9pm 9 local time French kickoffs. time, yeah, so you're getting out at, like, oh, it's, Well, Marseille's not so bad, because there's places you can go and have a, have a beer afterwards, and it's in town-ish, okay. uh, whereas... Stade de France. Stade de France is, Hell. like... Hell. <laughs> it is literally situated in the middle of hell. Yeah. Nice was the same. Leon's the same. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm not going to miss that element of it. Oh, you, but I am going to miss being at those games. You observe, you well, you pointed this out this week, Tim, that n- none of the games are being held at a French rugby club, except no, for, uh, is, is t- Toulouse, or is that not even in the the rugby club in Toulouse? I think the Toulouse one's at the football ground as well. Wow, yeah, I may be wrong on that because Toulouse play in the football ground occasionally. But I think so. Lunch, I think it's yeah. yeah. I think Toulouse. I think Toulouse RC Toulouse play or Toulousean or um, play in the rugby uh, in the football ground sometimes, sometimes, but it's not actually their ground. So yeah, yeah. There's, there's, it's all football venues. Which that's that's slightly disappointing that somewhere like um, La Rochelle. Oh, is, hang on, Stade de France is a rugby venue. Yeah, but no, a is, club club rugby venue. Club rugby. Yeah, who would? I guess if it was in England, it'd be the same. Well, they they did a bit in England, like Gloucester had held a game. Not a quarter. No, not no. Th- Pool group stages. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, England was different. England was, like, spread it around yeah, a bit. They had Brighton. Yeah. Brighton was one, wasn't it? Brighton, was... which is not a rugby club ground, but it, no. but it spread uh, it out. Yeah, they, they had football grounds. They had, like, Leicester City football ground was one of them, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. And, and St. James's Park they had as well. And in one of the previous World and Cups... And the Etihad. Yeah, Etihad was. Uh, one of the previous World Cups... Um, Otley, I think, held a game. Did they? In the early 90s. Amazing. Yeah. It must be 91. Yeah. Well, Broughton Park did the whole of the Bingham Cup, which is the Gay World Cup. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. No, Broughton Park hosted... um... Bingham Cup? No, no, when the World Cup was in England in 2015. Oh, yeah, they hosted the... They were the host venue for... Was it? I want to say Samoa. It was somebody, and I'll tell you why I know, because we kept all of the training pads... So one mm. of the perks of holding, of holding, it, Urugu- it might camp- be Uruguay. Yeah, it was. It wasn't someone big, and who Dolans Moden Park was a training camp for someone else. Mm. All Blacks. Nice. Sure, it's All Blacks. <clears throat> anyway. So uh, I've just looked up the stadia for uh, twenty fifteen. <laughs> there were only two r- r- club rugby stadiums: Gloucester being one, and anyone tell me the other one. Ooh, okay. Um, not Harlequins. Uh, no, it wouldn't be Harlequins because that was the stoop. Cross- so it's not, so yeah, it's not going to be in London. Uh, it's not going to be the AJ Bell. Possibly Bristol. Not Bristol. Bristol. Sandy Park. Sandy Park, yeah. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. 12,000. The others were... So there's MK, Stadium MK, Milton Keynes, Ugh. Brighton Community Stadium, Leicester City Stadium, the football, the Walkers Stadium, or whatever it's called now, King Power Stadium, uh, which... That seems like a bit of a missed trick. Yeah, why don't they go to um, Wasps? Well, well, yeah, could have done that. Or was it, even, was it even in 2015? They might not have had it. Yeah. Um, Ellen Road in Leeds, Villa Park, Birmingham, 
um, the Etihad City of Manchester Stadium. St James's Park is quite cool to have it there. Yeah. Good ground right in the city centre. So extra would be even better this time around. Was it 16,000 now? Yeah, it's bigger. Millennium Stadium hosted a game. Olympic, in, in well, three then the three big ones in London, Wembley, Twickenham and the Olympic Stadium. All you do, like this is it now, you go to the local clubs for the plate competition. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, it gets even better, this plate competition, because then you're getting revenue for the... I'm more interested in the plate than I am in the actual competition. The plate now would be dynamite. Yeah. The plate would be awesome. We had one, wrong? One, funny, one funny thing JB and I were talking about was like when it looked like Fiji might go out. Like <laughs> just the visions of like the Aussie lads like putting down their beer. Like, do I, do I need to stop drinking this now? Am I going to be playing a game in, in five days' time? They, they've done no conditioning. For, they've been on the hammer five days sort of that. I think they're probably snoring off a hangover today. Yeah, 100%. Weirdly, weirdly, wouldn't that be exactly. I would, if that had happened, I would think five week, five days on a smash with each other, they'd be way better as a team than they were in well, this World Cup. It'd be Probably, one of those yeah. Correlation, causation things. You know, like everyone thinks the All Blacks win a World Cup because they swept, swept the changing rooms and had nothing to do with the uh, amazing players that they had. It'd be, oh yeah, we had five days on the piss, but uh, t- what's his name? Will Skelton was back and um, Taniela Tupu. Taniela Tupu. Does that make a difference? Yeah, huge. Yeah, but then then they could do what the All Blacks did, which is the the misinformation, yes. disinformation, and they tell all the other teams to basically go on the smash. Write the week, a book the week before the, the knockout stages. <laughs> Australia yeah. win every subsequent World what Cup. Was, what, what, what was the policy for All Blacks? No dickheads. Yeah. They could write the sequels out all dickheads, yeah. all dickheads. <laughs> So back to the quarterfinals. No, no teetotalers would be the name of the Aussie book. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our first game, Tim will be there five o'clock. Um, so five o'clock. So it's four o'clock. Five forty-five. Oh, is it four? Or is it on the hour? So I don't know. what I'm looking at. This is this is on Wikipedia. This is going to be wrong. Let me have. Let me go. To let me go to the tribe app. I thought it was four. Yeah, well, that five o'clock French time would be four. Um, English time BST World Cup uh, it is yeah 5pm kickoff uh, French time so yeah 4pm uh, 4pm right. UK time uh, uh, so how do we see that one going <laughs> so I was reading some messages from a, a friend of ours who is currently in he's currently in France I'm done after the day lots of beer but he said lots of something and a lot of beer. What? What is that first word? And don't read it out if you think it's the word that I think it is. Is that, is that a misspelling? I think it must be a misspelling. Give me, give me a letter. Let's play like no, just, no, 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 no. P. I'll have a P. No, there's no P in there. I'm not playing this game. Oh, okay. okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. Yes, um, let's stop. I see. I think, I think Wales are favourites. Although I think this is this is a flip of a coin for me. I, so I think Wales are favourites. I think before the tournament, if you'd have asked me, I'd say Argentina are going to smash them. But Wales, I've been so impressed with, like yeah. so impressed with. There's two things. Obviously, Gatlin is known, particularly in World Cups, knockout rugby, for being incredibly difficult to break down. But I've been so, and they will be that because Wales are a system team and. 
they they always um, kind of turn it on in that situation. I've also been impressed with just how clinical they've been. Mm. Like in in that Fiji game, Wales had to make 250 or so tackles. Fiji only had to make 70. And somehow Wales managed to score four tries from only kind of having, well, making them making Fiji do one quarter the work almost. So yeah, it's the ability to get your head kicked in. Like, oh. and, and you know, this is obviously molded on the streets of Cardiff and streets of Swansea. <laughs> like, the ability to take that punishment is really impressive, and not be overawed by it, not be stressed by it. In fact, embrace it. Yeah, and I think that is a real, real strength because you know, as I've pointed out many, many times. It is very hard to get a cohesive attack. But for really motivated amateur... Bra- not amateur, sorry. Um, re- uh, re- really motivated young lads who are, you know, pretty tough, getting them to defend hard is, is, is not an issue. Mm. I mean, they all want to be there. They're all playing for their country. It's probably the easiest way to get a performance out of them. So, yeah, give me Wales by five points. Wales. Cocker? Uh, Wales. Mm, full house for Wales. So, match two, quarterfinal two. Stand I've up. just got to mention, actually, I'm going to be spending the next few nights after... So, I'm go, I'm heading back from Paris to Lyon to pick up the van to drive it to Marseille tomorrow. And tomorrow night, I will be staying at the um, the little flat of a listener oh, who got in touch on email, Anton. Awesome. I completely forgot. I've got to mention, and I'll probably mention <clears> him again on a, on a subsequent podcast, just because... Um, I've got to say thank you to Anton Javier, Fantastic. who um, has a place in Marseille. Lovely place right by the beach, I have to say. And oh, um, sorry, Tim, go on, go on, carry on. And, and he saw the video. He saw the video that you haven't seen of of me doing my little van life, and said, "Mate, I've got a place that's empty. Um, why don't you have a good, have a nice shower, cook yourself some proper food, oh, uh, how work, nice. work, work at a desk?" Which is like, like we've got some great listeners. What um, a lovely it, it, bloke. Uh, yeah, so I think it's uh, it's got a place on Airbnb. I'll, I'll do a little video report from it. I'll do a podcast from it. But I think some England fans are in there for the weekend. But I've got the little midweek slot. So, so anyway, you can rely on me to have good Wi-Fi and somewhere to work to do the pod. So I was Fantastic. doing my duty as a member of Beardmore & Co. Independent Financial Advisors, pensions, investments, that kind of thing. Um, I, was, I was networking. I had this little slot to talk about what I was doing. And then someone else stood up and did their little slot. And afterwards, I spoke to this guy because he said, yeah, one of the main sources of support I got was from my rugby club. So I assume that this guy is local. So I, so, so I introduced myself. Guess where he is involved? Hmm. Is it a club? Clearly not, clearly not North Wales, then. Not, not North Wales. Sorry, sorry, no, North West. Not North West. Not North West. Is it a club that... Uh, Tim knows well. Tim Oh. It's not uh, Ben Ryan's Newbury, is it? It's so close to it. It's Newbury Blues. Oh. Newbury Blues is like the amateur arm of New Rugby Club. Exactly. So it's like, oh, wow. That is exactly Well, I mean, exactly what I there is only the amateur arm of Newbury Rugby Club now. When when Newbury was going up through the leagues, I was a Colton coming into it and they had all the Vodafone money. They decided to kind of splinter that off so that the club was kept as mm. the old as the, the, the amateur club and Newbury Blues began. I think they just call themselves Newbury Blues now. I think that's just the name now. Ah, well, there you go. Met a guy from anyway, Newbury Blues. Hometown club. Awesome. And his son listens to Egg Chasers. So, oh, fantastic. Good man. Wonderful. Um, okay, next semi. Uh, next quarter. Quarter. Uh, uh, now, this, so this is annoying because my favourite, favourite time of kickoff is the 8pm Saturday night kickoff. 
I love that time of kickoff. This is 8 p.m. Central European time, which means it'll be 7 p.m. Uh, oh. BST, which is, I That's mean, not as good. it's still okay. Uh, I'll be trying to wrestle two kids for half an hour yeah, or so. Yeah, right. Um, so I'll probably... Like, you'll, you'll be like Dan Sheehan and um, <laughs> Pierre Schumann. Oh, <laughs> let's talk about that a second. <laughs> right. Um, get, get the WWE music. <laughs> com- the commentator said, oh, yeah. That's a, that's a hard man thing to do to throw someone over a hoarding. I was like, "Yes, it is, isn't it? Like, it's not not a hard man thing." And like, if I said I'm going to throw a guy go over the hoarding, that'd be bloody hard. That's so stupid. <laughs> it was just it, it would. Um, a lot of people said, "Oh, P.S. Scuban was outrageous. He shouldn't have done that." But it was. It could have been the other way round. They didn't. Neither of them knew the hoarding was there. Yeah, they didn't. P.S. Scuban didn't like, push him over. As the if hoarding. it's like a cowardly thing to push on over a hoarding. I think that's yeah. really hard. It's like. I'm going to put that guy in the bin. Like, if I actually get the guy in the bin, that's really tough. <laughs> now, that that was... Um, I did observe that uh, in comms. My favourite bit of commentary this weekend was um, pointed out by friend of the pod, Lee French, um, on our chat, um, from friend of the pod, Hugo Monnier, um, <laughs> where in the France game... And now, he said this twice. He said it in comms during the game... And then he doubled down on it after in the wrap-up after the game. He said it like it was a profound statement. Well, I can't wait for this. France always start well. They score 25% of their points in the first 20 minutes of the game. <laughs> so, so, so 20, oh, 25, why? Why? 25% of their points in 25% of the time. And you know what else? They score seventy five percent of their points in seventy five percent of That's the time. Unbelievable! It's, it's so, so. I think I've got this nail, boys. Let, <laughs> let me take it from here. It's such an incredible, like reading it out like it's profound. But it's true though. If you read anything out like it's profound, oh, I bet there's loads of people going, "Oh yeah, France always oh. start well." Like, oh yeah, you know what? It's, it's like we've all said stupid stuff. We've talked into a microphone long That's enough. Amazing, to, to, true. To not realise we've said something stupid. Very true. Um, Very true. But, it, but uh, you you just nailed the point there, Phil. It, or JB, sorry. It's the confidence with which you do it. It's yeah. the same. Like I would never have the guts to wear the like safari suit that that Hugo Very wears true. on the telly. But he wear he just wears it with pulls confidence. It off. Pulls, and it pulls it off. Pulls it off. He looks great. Yeah. He does look great. Yes, he always looks great. <laughs> <laughs> I love that stat, though. <laughs> that stat is hilarious. Anyway, um, right, Ireland, New Zealand. Ireland. <sighs> Ireland. It's, I, th- I think it is going to be Ireland, but I think New Zealand could cause an upset. Now, I want to see... So, there's a man who I love because he's one of the best rugby players of the last 10 years. One of the most electric rugby players of the last 10 years. And he used to play for my beloved Canes. Um, but I don't think he's playing particularly well. In Bowden Barrett, mm. who I would yeah. I would drop to the D-Mac. bench and I would start yeah. D-Mac. At fullback? At fullback, yeah. I'd, I'd keep, yeah. Keep Mwanga, keep Richie, keep, keep most other things the same. Uh, but I think D-Mac, he's just so dangerous right now. Uh, the big, I agree with that. Big question, though, is... Can they live with? Can they live with the uh, island pack, and can they kind of just live with the, the island grind, the phase after phase of fast clinical rook ball, where even five phases into the future, Ireland seem to know exactly what they are going to be doing and will find the edge. Yeah, 
They've got a man, uh, as, you, as you pointed out before, Tim, they've got a man who might know a thing or two about that in their ranks, in Joe Schmidt. Joe, Joe Schmidt, absolutely. That's 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 a fascinating little subplot. Uh, one very quick question. Which one of Ireland's Kiwis would you put into <laughs> a New Zealand 15? <laughs> James uh, in Gibson Park, James Lowe and Bundyaki. Bundy. Bundy, Bundyaki. Bundy would start, wouldn't he, for, for the All Blacks? Yeah. I think Gibson Park... Um, Possibly James Lowe as well. Wouldn't. James Lowe... No, I don't mm, see it. Probably not. He I, works for Ireland. Yeah, Ireland are unusual, aren't they? You know, they get so much playmaking up. Hansen, so Will, much Will Jordan up. and James Lowe seems like a good combo. Uh, like uh, Mark Talea, I, I think I'd start James Lowe over Mark Talea. No, Mark Talea's class. And I, also, I'd probably start Mark Talea as well. But only for the All Blacks, I would definitely start James Lowe for Ireland. Yeah, the same way I wouldn't yeah, start yeah, Hansen for the All Blacks. Yeah, Ireland. It does. It's exactly the point you made before, Tim. I'm now um, reiterating twice, but the fact that they've got the all-rounders, the fact that James Lowe can distribute, he can kick, he's got a hell of a boot, yeah. um, and he can carry in heavy traffic with his big wide rump. Um, yeah, it, it works the way it works. Yeah, uh, But Bundy would probably be the one. Yeah, because uh, Bundy can add a completely different dimension, he? Yeah. He's to play it's, even though... Um, so, uh, Jordy Barrett is probably not... Too much lighter than Bundyaki, but it's just totally different weight. Yeah, he's about he's about six or seven inches taller than Bundyaki, but about, um, probably a few kilograms lighter. So he uses his weight in a wildly different way to Bundyaki. Yeah. So yeah, that's he'd be the one. Hmm. Yeah, I think this could run into danger of being a runaway win for Ireland. <sighs> I don't think it will be. And if they do this, they've got the semis in the bag and then there's one more game to play. Yeah. And that's going to be heartbreaking for the world. I, I, I'm I'm already... Uh, the week hasn't even begun. I haven't even read a newspaper article on, on the quarterfinal. But I'm already, having read or heard nothing, I'm already fed up of all the talk of the quarterfinal curse. <laughs> oh. I, just, I just don't see that being any kind of factor on this group of players whatsoever if, if religion is real right religion or indeed you know demons and demonic forces and whatever it is that creates things like curses that surely they'll come to knock Ireland out in the, in, in the quarterfinal mm. if there is a god <laughs> Ireland will be knocked out in the quarterfinal well, wouldn't you love this is, this is I'm like not your, a believer but I will be if, if, if they are knocked out these are <laughs> these are two of your least favourite teams so yeah yeah my you'd, two you'd least favourite teams you'd love both of these teams to lose yeah, Whereas it, these are two of my favourites. I, I do love. Both I, I just of these think teams. it'd be more crushing for the Irish public to go out in the quarters, and then more. Uh, oh, be crushing for both of them. Who do I want to lose more? <laughs> like South Africa, South Africa, France are my two two favourite teams. Yeah, and what? And we're going to have to say goodbye to one of them. We it's are heartbreaking. Oh, that is heartbreaking. It's oh. heartbreaking on, on all four. Just saying goodbye to two of them. Great teams. Yeah, well, if you could have South Africa and France go through to the semis, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna to have to have one of the others. Uh, I'm slowly. I still dislike Ireland intensely, <laughs> but I do admire them. I do admire them and respect them because they are what, one cool. hell of a team. They are. <sighs> this island team is some team. Um, I just love Peter Romani, so he's he might be my he's he's getting very close to Courtney Law level. Courtney Law's oh, level of love for wow. me as a rugby player just just the his interview his post-match interview so he's just got 100 caps I don't he didn't smile once in the interview <laughs> and he referenced oh yeah 
I remember earlier in the week, the Scotland guy said they thought they'd worked us out, thought they were going to do us, and blah, blah, blah. And that's like, he's just got 100 caps and his team have just wiped the floor with Scotland. And he's still like fuming, managing to find some, yeah, he's still fuming. I, I love that about him. <laughs> did he go, and I'll say that, did, did he take somebody else home or was he taken home in Monaco after being very drunk? Who? Who? It, um, Peter Marnie. Not from what I remember. <laughs> Which one of them was? He was either he might have carried someone. Oh, home. sorry. You, uh, <laughs> so one of the players. Yeah, I can't remember. So I remember vividly. He either carried a player home or he was carried. I, home. I, all I remember about Peter Romani is him standing up on the table, on a t- dan- dancing. On a table dancing. Yeah, he was dancing with uh, Sia Khaleesi on yes. one of the tables, and Khaleesi was Khaleesi had had a few beers. Um. Oh, everyone, everyone had had a few beers. Yes, I can't remember. I can't remember who took him home though. It was either I, in my mind, it's either Ugo. No, Monia. no, you're thinking of your. I know who you're thinking of. You're thinking of Scotland back row Ryan Wilson. No, no, that was the year before. who hadn't slept. Who hadn't slept for about three days, and Finn Russell he was Ryan Wilson and someone else were absolutely battered outside. But I think that was the year. But no, no, no. Right, right, right. Ryan Wilson's the one you're thinking of. Because he was on great form, but he he hadn't slept in about two days because he'd been on a plane to get there from somewhere else. And um, was this the dance? Hang on. No, we went to the. No, Phil didn't go to the first one. Yeah, I missed the first one. Yeah, so we did. No, you're thinking of the wrong one, Tim. Where all the Scotland one, all the Scotland boys were outside waiting for a taxi, and they are hammered, <laughs> absolutely hammered. That was the Ryan Wilson one. The year afterwards, Phil was there. Yeah, and we were downstairs rather than in the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're downstairs with a dance floor. Yes. I can't remember, I can't remember two separate ones now. <laughs> it's all the same thing. Oh, the first one... So Phil wasn't there. We did all the interviews, didn't we, the first one? We, we met Eddie Jones and... Yeah, yeah Bowden Barrett. Bowden Barrett. Barrett. Yeah. Did Eddie Jones... And the, Bowden... the second one was when we all three of us met Sia Khaleesi. Yes. yes that's right. And Jamie yes. Roberts. Yes. And uh, okay, yeah. Doddy Weir. Yes. And a very, very miserable Stephen Moore. Blaine... And... Um, you, you forget Blaine Scully. Blaine Scully. And a Pee Wee Dianti, yeah, yeah. Um, who was very shortly after that band for a long period of time. Yeah, well, you shouldn't have got into bloody Tim's party bus. <laughs> it was inevitable. As soon as you got in the party bus, a well, band, was, uh, band was coming. Uh, so, so we're going for Ireland then. I, I would love, I, I would love Ireland to do this. I, I'm, I am back in Ireland. Um, and they've got New Zealand's number in recent matches, haven't they? Yeah, I'm with Ireland. Yeah. So then we go. Um, oh, hang on a minute. This is oh no. This is eight. This is an eight o'clock because this is my. It's an eight o'clock. Yeah, nine yeah. p.m. French time, eight p.m. UK. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting confused. I'm looking at two different websites. One's that's giving me Central European, and one's giving me my time. So yes, eight, that is eight o'clock. That is good news. Um, so Sunday, four o'clock, British summer time, England versus Fiji, the rematch of the game from about. I don't know, five weeks ago where Fiji beat England. Is is it gonna is, is lightning gonna strike twice? Is is there going to be a second ever tier two, uh, in inverted commas for those listening, um because tiers don't really exist. But a tier two victory over in England that was England's first ever loss to a tier two team. My feeling is sadly not. Uh I didn't see enough from Fiji to worry me for England. Even though England themselves were awful, I was going to say you. Yeah, <laughs> were dreadful. Yeah, to if if they both play like uh, they did this weekend, 
they should just write off this quarter final and just put France and South Africa through. Yeah, that'd be exactly the right thing to do. Make make France play South Africa twice, two weeks on the bounce. <sighs> no, neither team will play that poorly. I yeah, think Fiji agreed. could well come through and and win. I'm just going to optimistically say I think England win by six. England to have enough. Yeah, England. Yeah. Oh now, just on England, do you see England starting Ford and Farrell again? Do you, and because I I think it probably will. It's the likely scenario. Do you think it'll be as bad as this week? Do you think it'll? Can they? Can they remake the 2019 World Cup semi-final performance is, is really the question. Because that's what they're... I mean, it, that, nine, uh, that 10, 12, 13 was the pivotal point for an amazing performance against New Zealand in 2019. Manu's rubbish. That's the first thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, def- couple, defensively, he's really porous. Yeah, defensively, he is rubbish. Um, attack, he had a couple of nice runs. Yeah, he's just not very good. I mean, he's just not... <laughs> Like he had a couple of nice runs. He's living on past glories. Uh, you know, he's getting paid for past glories in the northwest now. Um, so no is the answer. Um, Farrell, Ford, I just maybe it works. The uh, Ford and Farrell are not the most important part of Ford and Farrell. Manu's the most important part of Ford and Farrell, and he's rubbish. So no, it won't work. Mm. Uh, Ollie Lawrence, and- though, when he came on, looked like he could play. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that's the the game plan. I I think. He's gonna. I think. I think he probably will stick with it. But I think there's a very good chance it'll be Farrell, Farrell to Alangi Marchant. Mm, I would prefer Ford uh, Lawrence Marchant to that. I would yeah. go with yeah. Ford and Farrell, mm-hmm. unbelievably. But that's what I'm going to do. Then Lawrence, then Marchant. On the other wing, it can be whoever you want because it doesn't make a difference. And I would go just based on how they've played so far. Marcus Smith at fullback. Mm. Now I think they. I think the most likely scenario is Marcus Smith to come in onto fullback after sixty minutes if they're seven points or more down. Yeah, Johnny I'm May. not. I'm not. I'm not sure Marcus Smith at fullback against Fiji is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, but is but is Freddie Stewart? Well, yeah, and Fiji, yeah, true. Fiji aren't going to be kicking that much, so yeah, you, well, you don't need uh, the best aerial fullback in the world. According to some, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Oh, I don't know. Who knows? Is there another fullback option that I've missed? Is Anthony Watson? Malin? No, Watson's not. Malin's Daly or Arundel. Ooh, there are a few options there. Yeah, yeah, someone else. <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to persevere. He's going to stick with. Like there'll be there'll be minor changes, but I'd be happy with wholesale changes. But uh, behind the behind the scrum, they're going to be rubbish if the forwards don't give them decent ball. Yeah, good point. And now, the Fiji scrum did not look under any. They've only given away one scrum penalty since yeah. the World Cup. That was a remarkable, uh, amazing stat. And they looked very comfortable against England at Twickenham. So that's not going to be a problem for them. So yeah, England's identity has always been really solid set piece and a back row that are gnarly, horrible, and just carry carry big. Um, and we don't really have either of those things at the moment. No. Yeah, sadly not. So we're all saying England, just yeah, and the um, the fate that will meet them will be the winner of the Sunday 8pm game in Stade de France, France, 
France. Stade de France, France. <laughs> As it's written in front of me, Stade de France, France. It's France versus South Africa. What a game. That game in Marseille last November was one of the great games. And the game the game that has been the most exciting for me this tournament was Ireland versus South Africa yeah. because of the intensity. Now, there's, I said this at the time, there was not the most metres made, there was not the most defenders beaten, there was not the most offloads, there was not even a huge amount of ball in play. It did not matter because the intensity no. was just dialed up to eleven it, for yeah, the whole match. Ian Foster could not be more wrong. Hundred percent. Running rugby is what people want, uh, not stop-start stuff. And he was referring to the game the night before. No, Shut games up, like yeah. Ireland South Africa is exactly what I want. And this this will be this will be that uh, yeah. an, uh, up another level if that is even possible. Well, I'm not sure actually. I'm not sure if France can match Ireland's intensity. So if if South Africa show up with the intensity that they showed against Ireland for the first twenty minutes, I think there's a good chance that South Africa will handily beat France. Mm. Which I don't like saying because I love France so much. France have got to score early and carry on scoring. But I, do, I don't think so, so. You mentioned it before about France kind of going ten minutes on, ten minutes off. South Africa, they had big swathes of the game where they were that intensity, and then Ireland came back into it. This mm. will be. The pendulum has to swing because you can't, like, South Africa can't keep that up for 80 minutes or 30 minutes of, yeah. of ball in play time. I guess I think that South Africa will do more damage in their intense periods to mm. France than they did to Ireland. A big blow for France is Paul Valemsa. Huge, huge blow. Because uh, Wocky and Fluant are superb players, but tight head locks they are not. No. Uh, well... Thinking about it, does what what matters with this intense style of, of rugby? It's work rate. Now I don't know how hard these guys worked. I don't see enough of them, and I don't know if Paul uh, Wilhelmsy is just a big boy or he's a big boy that works incredibly hard. I, I think he's both. Yeah. I mean, I, I so think, I unlike I someone like Taufifanua or Vahamina, yeah. who are they are big boys, but they don't have that level of work rate. So it's like like it's like Will Skelton pre Saracens and post Saracens. Yes. So Valencia yeah. is more like a post Saracens or, or Perry Saracens, mid Saracens, um Will Skelton. <laughs> like it. Like it. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure if it's gonna be a huge loss. I don't know. I don't know, it's good. it'll be finally poised. I don't know. It's just, no, I I do know. I don't think France are quite there. I mean they could beat anyone else in the world. I don't know if they can beat South Africa when South Africa are on their day and France are on their day. Now, Tim, you, you've got access to the latest uh, French rugby publications. Do they think that DuPont will play? They think he will be available mm. to play, whether he plays or not. It's the surgeon that's going to make the final call. It's been three weeks. I suspect he'll be available. I... I think if I were them, I would put him on the bench. Mm. In, just, just imagine 50 minutes, the noise in Paris when DuPont strips off his little warm-up vest and gets ready to come on. And Luku and, well, and Jalabert made me forget about DuPont and Untermac. They were brilliant. Mm. Admittedly, it's Italy. Yeah. It's another level up, but they're very, very good players. And I... I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is. Do you do you, do you just go for broke and start to punt? Maybe they will. What I mean, 
don't know. Having him back in any form. I think you got it right, Tim. And I'll tell you why you've got it right. Because the opposite to start to bring him off the bench is starting him. And the opposite to bringing him off the bench is taking him off the field. And mm. that would really deflate the stadium. I, I, I think you've nailed it as well, Tim. I think, I think the Luku uh, Jalibert, obviously they played together at Bordeaux. Yep. So they've, they've got that. They, it's not like you're just throwing kind of... Um, I mean, they are both the second choice. They're both the backups, but they're backups with massive experience together. And that DuPont off the bench would be enormous. Like the, the crowds, obviously you've been there first hand, Tim. The crowds for France in France sound incredible at the moment. They're bonkers. It is insane. That actually might make me think differently. That does make a material difference. I'm still saying it's South Africa. Yeah. Now, uh, I uh, I watched a pre-match interview before the Island game with, um, I'm going to say this wrong, um, um, and um, Wanky Stick. Uh, Wanky um, Stick. Mr. Stick. That's, that's, that's how he's referred to. Anyway. Yes. Yeah, Mr. Stick. Mr. Stick. <laughs> And he was talking about the, like, he was asked about facing the number one team and there'll be a lot of Irish support there and all those things. And um, it's a bit greasy at times, like, can South Africa travel? And Who on earth are you talking about? Mr. Stick. <laughs> Mr. Stick, one of their coaches. Is the, is the, uh, I think it's, sorry. Muswandili. Muswandili. Otherwise known stick. as Wanky. Wanky Stick. Mr. <laughs> stick. So he's the. I have no idea who you were talking about then. Okay, he yeah. is the uh, South African backs coach. Right. So yeah. Thank you for that. Mr. Stick. W- wanky Stick. Yes. Okay. Um, he, so he's talking about like South Africa's, like ha- how they're going to handle the pressure. And he, he just had this kind of like wry smile on his face. He's like, we're very close. We, these boys travel the world together. They travel the world all of the time. They are mm. they play in the cauldrons. They are our boys are used to this. Like just just do not worry about our boys. Love it, and love it. I I think it's going to be awesome. Go the, get them, lads. Go these, get them. These two, uh, the pool A, pool B quarters. The the two eight o'clock. The two later kickoffs are going to be absolute dynamite both both days. I'm already excited about both of them. So we've got Ireland going through. What are you saying, France? So, I'm... Oh, God. I've not said anyone yet. Give me France. Tim? Give me France by five. I do think France are going to edge it. I, oh no no I don't no I don't I think South Africa are going to win I want France yeah. to win I think South Africa will win yeah I think South Africa this oh, oh my goodness I cannot wait I can't wait to be back here doing this podcast I yeah. might have had a couple of beers you might have had a couple of beers but we'll have to pod <laughs> we'll have to pod we will definitely pod 10pm uh, next Sunday we are podding oh, wow after wow, that. wow wow so we, wow so wow, wow. from that we are saying uh, the only game we're not unanimous about is the France-South Africa because I'm saying France you two are saying you think probably on balance South Africa South Africa but, yeah. so we're saying that Wales will go through to play um, Ireland in uh, quarter final yeah. one which is on the Friday night that is cool that's, yeah. that's good Friday night game and I, th- I was just thinking who I'd prefer to, I th- I'd prefer beating uh, it's just a choice between who I want to beat in the semi-final and I think I'd probably prefer to beat France rather than beat South Africa but either <laughs> or <laughs> so yeah and then we've got England we're saying England going through 
on balance yeah. to, to to face South Africa, uh, and that's the Saturday night, eight pm, BST. Wow! And that I mean, we might as well just do the preview now. It will then, in that scenario, it will be an Ireland South Africa final. It will be a repeat of the uh, previous game, the Group Pool B game, in which I'm then saying, even though I'm saying South Africa will lose to France this week, I'm saying South Africa will win the World Cup on our predictions. Bingo. Well done. Now, before we go, I want some important information. Tim, in quite some detail, explain to me what your rugby watching schedule will be this weekend. How are we watching it? What's going to be special about this weekend for you to watch your rugby? And then you tell me yours, please, Phil. So what's going to be special about... Yeah, like, like, like what are you going to be doing? Are you going to, you're going to be in a pub? Which pub are you going to? I'm, I'm going to be in the Marseille Stadium for the two early kickoffs mm-hmm. and i haven't worked out where i'm going to be but i'm going to find somewhere close to the stadium where there's loads and loads of french fans for the sunday night and where there's well fans of just rugby generally uh for the saturday night game Sounds i don't know where glorious mm. Phil, what are you doing this weekend uh on i'll probably be watching both games on the saturday at home because claire's doing the manchester half on sunday morning mm-hmm. so uh, it'll be relatively sedate on Saturday and then go to watch England with my old man um, and then probably watch France South Africa with you JB superb so I'm well in that case I'll be watching it with you yes uh, and then on Saturday I am going I think I'm going for brunch at 2 o'clock hmm then I'm going to watch the is that a brunch is that a lunch and tea Lee and Lee yeah, yeah Lee yeah something like that Br- Brinner no no Dunch yeah something like that so I'm going to do CrossFit in the morning get burn, burn some calories yes I might go out on the Friday night as well I might, oh, I might, I might just double up I, treat I might, yourself yeah I, I've worked very hard I'm under my target weight I, I, I can afford to do this now um, <laughs> a brunch of some maybe a gaucho brunch ooh yeah that, that, that'd, be, That'd be good fun then we're going to head up to Northern Quarter with some CrossFit buddies, one of which does not watch rugby and will be educated to the nth degree on the nuances of the sport. I'm going to sit in a bar and order pints with the three or four of us over and over again until we cannot walk. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like heaven. Yes. It, it, can, it, can we pencil in a... I, I, like, I'm just thinking about the podcasting schedule as well. I think we should, we should get a, a, one or two short ones in this week when teams are announced and stuff like that because yeah, these I games are massive. Right, Thursday or Friday? So, yeah, Thursday, Thursday yeah. night. And then possibly a just get together on, even if it's online from where, wherever we are, just a, a quick rea- a Sunday morning reaction and we can get just a sense of how much pain you're in, JB. I'll be fine. I'm, I'm, I'm fine <laughs> on hangover. I, I can do everything. Fully compass mentis. Uh, so just a quick reaction to the Saturday night, get some stories so that that doesn't sully the, the, the Sunday night podcast when we're talking about France, South Africa. Mm. Let's see how it goes. And no, no promises. Mm. Right, you are. No promises. Uh, excellent. Um, now we have missed some other things, which I can't be bothered talking about now. But maybe we'll get together and talk about the RFU deal. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you could do a spicy. You could do a spicy Sweeney Patreon extra. Yep. I for mean, our lovely Patreon listeners, we, thank you for that. By the way, we mm. can, we can talk about. Um, let me find out who's done this. I'd like to talk about Bletchley who have decided to basically admit that all their players are thugs, from what I can tell, with a poster campaign, which is great. I've not seen that. Yeah, no refs, no play. Your passion is admired, your support is needed, but so is your self-control. Obviously, people, 
obviously Bletchley hate their fans, so that's an interesting one. Right. Let, let's let, we should do that. We should do this on another pod because this is yep. right at the end of an epic pod. Uh, and then there's all the Northwest rugby results to catch up on. Yes, of course. So and we can't exactly. not do these things. So we'll try and fit them in during the week. Perfect. Nice. Top stuff, lads. Well done, everyone. Let the boys play. Let, let the boys play. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.